That was kind of weak of getting, are you ready to get in the word though? I'm just gonna Amen. say. Does that seem a little weak to you? <laughs> you said it, don't throw it on me. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, I mean, there's a lot of great parts of that, but the part that stood out to me today in, in, uh, is just to take him at his word or just to say, thus saith the Lord, to know, to know, thus saith the Lord. How many of us know, thus saith the Lord? Amen. The hope that comes from thus saith the Lord. Yes. I mean, that, that's what the book of Revelation is about. It's the hope of thus saith the Lord. Amen. I mean, that's the hope. That's our blessed hope. It's the hope of thus saith the Lord, because I'll tell you what, um, when you read the book of Revelation and you get to the end, it, it, it's so, it just encourages you. And, I, and you're expecting this huge, just, I mean, in my mind, I'm going, oh, this is going to be epic battle. Like, it is going to be like a four-chapter battle. Oh, my Lord. I mean, it's almost a letdown. And that should show us how, the, I see these things on Facebook, and I watch this, and I, and I know the point of what they're doing. is like you see Jesus and the devil, like, arm wrestling, and it's like, you know, share this, and who's going to, you know, like, if enough people like Jesus, then he's going to win somehow, or whatever. Like, you guys, come on. Like, that stuff, just, just let you know, anytime you, you put something that, like, well, like, if, if you really love the Lord, and you're going to forward this on, like, just stop. Okay? Don't do those things. Those aren't biblical. They're not, whatever. It's like, Jesus don't need likes on Facebook. You know, he doesn't need you to share something, or otherwise he's, I mean, if it's a good word, yeah, we want to share those things. But as soon as you start putting manipulation and type, that's the enemy's tricks. So we don't use manipulation. That's witchcraft. Amen. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but hallelujah. The point is, is as you get to that battle, he comes down with us and the word of his mouth, his sword, thus saith the Lord comes out and it's poof. Amen. And it's over. I'm like, I mean, that's awesome. I like that. But it was like, it's that easy? Yeah, it's that easy. Satan isn't an equal foe. He's not an equal foe. He's like this little, the Bible says we're going to be amazed when we see him. We're going to be like, that's who deceived the world? Now, I'm not saying in our own flesh, he's a worthy foe. Don't get it twisted. He will come as a roaring light. It doesn't say that he is. The real lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah. His name's Jesus. That's the real lion. But Satan comes as a, a false, a fake. And it's like he's holding people and sticking people up with a squirt gun. Give me all your money. And you're like, oh, okay. But if you, if you have the Lord in you and, and, and he is full in your life, you're able to see with the spiritual eyes, like, that's a squirt gun. I don't think so, sucker. Get behind me. You're a defeated foe. Amen. So it's so beautiful that our hope is in thus saith the Lord. To know thus saith the Lord. If you don't know thus saith the Lord, then you're getting robbed with a squirt gun. If you don't know what his word says, you don't have that excitement and joy. And as Rebecca was singing, I got that joy, that joy. When You should have that joy. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got that peace that passes understanding. Down in my heart to what? Stay. To stay. To stay. How do we get those things? From this word. 
The book of Revelation is a beautiful book. And I want to share some of that beauty. We started last week, and today we're not going to be a whole lot in Revelation. I laid out a pretty big last week for you to chew on it, and we will be going kind of chapter and verse for a section next week, probably more through from uh, chapter 1, verse 4, to probably the end of the chapter. Then we'll get into some of the, the churches, and we're going to mention one of them um, this week for a bit. But last week I wanted you to see, as we, as, after we went to layout, um, seeing God through love, how we're to see him, and how he sees us through love. Amen? Um, we talked about 1 John uh, in, in the consummation of love, that love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How many have boldness now? Amen. I have boldness. Amen. Because why? Because is so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. We're little Christs in this world. In Revelation chapter 1, it says that he has washed us by his blood, and he has made, his, made us priests in his kingdom. Priests in his kingdom. Washed us in his blood and priests in his kingdom. Boy, that's exciting. He goes on, and we, and we looked at, the, at some of the words, um, the telia, the perfecting of us, the example that as that love reached out in that telescope that just was being able to see clearly. Um, boldness in the day of judgment, that crisis, that judgment. And then the um, phobos, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So there's no fear in love. And we talked a little bit about um, that word phobos meaning panic flight to withdraw. Um, feeling because of feeling inadequate, that we withdraw from intimacy, we withdraw from God's love at times because we feel inadequate or we feel unrighteous or we feel unholy or whatever that false thing is that keeps us to, to come back. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. There's no withdrawal. And that fear will try to cause us to want to control intimacy. When we see ourselves trying to control intimacy, and it can happen on the male side or the female side, but when you're trying to control someone to love you or that I need, it's a fear that's driving that. You need to examine that. You might not notice that. There's a fear of not being loved. Or there's times that you're trying to control how someone's going to love you or how intimate you will be with them because that fear because that love has been mistreated, or that your love at some point or another has been wronged or scorned. But there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. all fear. So when we come in contact with Jesus, who is perfect love, those things got to go. And it says, if we are not in perfect love, then we need to examine ourselves. Amen? If we are still in fear, if we're still walking in fear, if you still have that fear that is controlling or driving, you need to be perfected in what? Love. Amen? And can any of us who have been perfected in love have something to happen in it and need to be perfected some more? All right? We need to be washed by the water of what? His word. Amen? All right, so let's read our main text again. Um, first, or chapter, John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. This was Jesus speaking, and we're really going to hammer this one out this week, and I'm excited about it. Um, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Everyone repeat with me. He is going to prepare a place for us. 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. When everything's ready, I will come and get you. All right. Pastor Rebecca, what did I tell you the title of this message was this week? She always always asks me, and I give her something, and sometimes it might not be what I wrote down, and I don't think it's what I wrote down. He's coming for his bride. So this was my, this was in my original times of writing, this was my fourth point. Um, today it's our first point. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We are his bride in the betrothal period. He's coming for his bride, church. He's coming for his bride. Now, where do we get that? I, and I, as the Lord was just laying this out for me, I was like, okay, well, where do we really see that he calls us the church or the church, the bride? We need to have that connection. So 2 Corinthians, and this one just came yesterday. It's funny. I was just reading, just, just to be reading, and I was like, oh, I'm using that. 2 Corinthians 11, 2. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. For, he says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul says, I am jealous for a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that is Christ, that I may present you to Christ. He wants to present this betrothed bride, who is the church, to Christ. Now let's look at the betrothal. And Jewish, and now this is where culture is so important. Some people don't really spend much time in culture. If you, if you don't look at the culture of, of, of the word in context or content, what is he saying? Context, what's been said before, what's been said after, so it can be in context. And culture. Culture is very important. So I want you to look, and I'm just going to start sharing some things that I, in my studies, of the Jewish betrothal time, okay? This, when Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, that I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where, you, where I am going to, you will be also. That was, that was a huge clue to his listeners because they knew the culture. They were like, oh, oh, I've heard this before. I, I've grown up knowing this. So here's what Jewish betrothal looked like. Fathers would choose a bride for their son and pay a price, a dowry, to purchase her away from her father. The father would choose a bride. And he would go and pay a price for her. Oh, church, we've been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ. The best, highest price that there ever could be paid is is what the Father has come for us, for his son. We are the bride. A contract would be signed for a future wedding. They would sign a contract right there for a future wedding. Usually it was around a year, so the bride kind of had an idea, but she never really knew for sure when. That contract was signed right here. here. Here's our contract. Just to say, thus saith the Lord, we know there's been a contract. We know that he's coming for us. We know to be ready. Amen? A bride and groom would not see each other till their wedding day. It could be up to a year. They would not see each other. There was a veil. She would put on a veil from that point. There was a veil between. There's a veil between us right now. But, oh, he's coming, and he's going to pull back that veil. Come on. 
Come on. The bride and groom. We are the bride of Christ. And I know for guys, sometimes that could be a little weird. Just get over yourself. The first, when I first started, it was years ago, and it's taken me a lot of years to get over it, but I'm really comfortable with it now, I got to say. Like, I used to be like, this is weird. I don't know if I like being called a bride. And, you know, my, my male masculinity probably was a little fragile. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's better now. But either way, I'm looking forward to this, I got to say. And you call me a bride wherever you want, as long as you're coming for me. Amen? I don't care. While she was waiting for the groom, this is so cool. While she was waiting for the groom, she would make a dress with the material given from her father-in-law. He would go out and buy the finest material, and he would present that to her, and she would begin making her dress. Now, we as the bride are like, how does that fit? What the father is giving us is those good works. Now, I'm going to show you in Scripture. I didn't just pull that out of a hat. Our good works... Our good works, those things that you were doing, those things that, that the Lord puts on your heart, he supplies you and, and speaks to you. Those are the things that we are going to be able to present to the Lord one of these days. And it is going to be what his church and his bride are dressed in. And she's going to be radiantly glowing with all of those works, all those beautiful, wonderful works. Can you, can you picture it? Now, this, this is where I want you to really start paying attention. Not that you weren't before. The groom at that point, at that betrothal, the groom would begin to build a room or an addition onto the father's house. When that betrothal came, the groom would go, and from that point, he'd start building. And he was building a, a room onto his father's house. Now, what did Jesus say? I go and prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place. This, that culture, they knew, they knew exactly what he was saying. Only the groom's father knew the exact time. Now, this is, I'm not making this up. This is, this, is, this, is the, this is how the culture rolled. Only the groom's father knew the exact time and day the room was ready. Mark 13, 32 says, no one knows the day or the hour. Only the who? The father. Just a quinky dink, right? Just a little quinky dink. So literally, the groom would go and begin building and preparing. And can you imagine you're getting, you're like, I'm feeling like I'm, like it's done. Like I'm, how many of you guys are getting ready to go like meet your bride that you haven't seen for a year and you're pretty excited? It could be getting like, um, that doesn't really need to be painted. Like we're good, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but it'd be like, yeah, we got a roof, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get this thing started. You know, the father would say, you're not ready yet. Nope, not until everything's right. Not till." And he wouldn't know. The son wouldn't know. He might think, it, oh, I must be getting close. And then just out of the blue, listen to what the father would do. You have any idea? This is so cool. He would take a shofar and blow that trumpet. It could be in the morning or at night. He didn't. The son had no clue. The father would just pull that thing out and blow that trumpet and say, now go get your bride. It could, and they would take off. And guess what would happen then? They would, them, and, the, and the, he'd get his guys, and they'd start blowing trumpets. Blowing trumpets. It would alert her from a ways off, so she would be gathering her stuff and getting things ready. 
I think Jesus knew what he was doing. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm coming for you. I'm preparing a place for you. The groom would go take the bride. Now, this, this is so awesome. The groom would go take the bride and go into the room alone. When he would go get her, he would bring her back. He would get his bride, and they would go in the room together alone for seven days. Unseen for seven days. And they would honeymoon. Now, I don't know if this is clicking with you. But there's a seven-year tribulation period. And after Revelation chapter 3, you, you see after these things. That's when the church, whew, Jesus comes for his church and says, It says, the dead in Christ will rise and we will be caught up with him in the air. There will be seven years of tribulation, three and a half years of peace and three and a half years of the worst judgment that you, this world has ever seen. And we are honeymooning. We are honeymooning, locked away with Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. Now listen to this. This, I'm not making this up. After seven days, they would come out and be seen by all. Now, if you were here last week when we watched The Chosen, I didn't plan this, I swear. I, I wish I was as smart and as good as the Lord has been so, so merciful to me. The timing of how things land. But we watched The Chosen last week. And what happened? I don't know if you picked it up, but I did because I've been studying it. When Mary came to help um, with, with preparing for the wedding, the wedding of Cana, she said, the mom had said, like, they'd already, they got married. While they were preparing, they were alone, locked away. Then guess what happens? On the, on the calendar in the culture is after that seven-day period, they would come out. And there would be a marriage supper and a feast and a celebration for days. So we come back. You know when the marriage supper of the Lamb is? We come out of the honeymoon and it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. After seven days, they would come out and be seen by all and have a huge feast and celebrate. That's Revelation chapter 19. That's where you see the marriage feast of the Lamb. I'm going to read it to you. Now listen to the verbiage. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. This just reiterates the, the church as the bride. In Ephesians, I would, we had an awesome thing. It was in the timing of a wedding Friday, I got to do a wedding Friday. It was so awesome, Tyreek and Annalisa. It was beautiful, and all that was in my mind as I was like, oh, this is me getting ready to be with Jesus. It's so awesome. <laughs> But in our counseling, I was going through Ephesians with them, and I've learned in my life, and I'm going to share this with you. we got a little bit of time, so it's free marriage counseling today. Um, <laughs> there's this beautiful thing that happens in Ephesians. Paul tells, and we're going to read that here in a bit. Um, Paul tells, I just want to lay this so you'll see it. Husbands, love your wives. He uses this love, and he, but he tells the wives to honor their husbands. Now, I ain't the sharpest tool, but the Holy Spirit downloaded something to me years ago, and, I, and this is something I share with marriage couples, is there's a circle. It's a love and, and an honor. I've learned when I love my wife as Christ loves his church, she naturally will honor me. 
And when she honors me, oh, I want to love her. Now, the Lord does this really to me. It's mysterious. And you don't have to agree with me. It's okay. A lot of people don't. Um, but I believe the Lord tells us as men to love our wives because it, it doesn't come as natural for us as it does honor. Like, it's, I think it's very easy. Men understand honor. Like, I honor Tracy. He, he is a servant. He protects us, serves us. I, I honor the men that are in the military, men, good fathers. And when I see a man that, that takes care of his family and he loves his family and he lays his life down for him, I honor that. We just have this ability, I think, to honor very naturally. Loving sometimes is a little more of a challenge for us. I believe ladies love just like, oh my gosh, they're just, they're just, most of them are just naturally just very, it just comes out. But I don't think ladies necessarily just, just honor. So the Lord has, uses this very wisely and says, husbands, love your wives. And it has to lay out a lot of explanation on how we're to do that, right? Why do you think he explains it so much? <laughs> Thick skulls, right? He's like, oh, 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 watch what Jesus, oh, don't just say it. Got it. But he says, wives, honor, respect your husbands. So I said all that to say, look at, look at Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give what? Honor to who? Him. The bride is to what? Honor him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. I'm going to stop. You see pure white linen in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, the elders, and that, that represents the church. Seated in white. And purity. It's beautiful. It says, for the fine linen represents what? The good deeds of God's holy people. That is what that bride is clothed in. That marriage supper, she is coming with all of the good. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? All of the good deeds from when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the church age. All of those good deeds, good works. Oh, my Lord, that's going to be a radiant bride. Amen? So let's, now we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. And if you're wondering, I'm pretty much dealing and just going to stay in this home for a while because this, this really needs to get um, really like implanted in you. You need to be pregnant with this. You need to carry this until he comes for us that we're his bride and that he loves us. So Ephesians 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to who? As to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, and also Christ is head of the church. Now, what is he now? And he is the what? The Savior of what? The body. Jesus is the Savior of the body. Savior of the body. Not the beater down of. Not the pounding on the savior of the body. And some of you are going like, well, I don't beat my wife. That's not really what I'm talking about that. But that's great. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> but he is also not pounding and beating up his bride. Yes. He's the savior of the bride. What does the savior do? It's like a rescuer, right? He's going to come rapture, rapturo, to snatch away. Savior. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, 
so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. And what? Gave himself for her. He took the judgment and the penalty of sin on the cross so that we don't have to. He did that. He gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with what? The washing of water by the word. You know who's the word? Jesus. Jesus. That he might present her to himself a what? Glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. A holy, without blemish bride. You think he's going to wrinkle her all up? Wrote to throw you down in the dirt, just kick the snot out of you. And... Nope. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. This is so beautiful. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. We're his own flesh. But nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects or honors her husband. We are the bride and that's how he loves us. I'm so thankful for this example. I want us to, I want us to look at just three points out of this or maybe four. Um, Jesus is the Savior of the body. We're the body. He is the Savior, church. He gave himself for us to cleanse from spot or wrinkle and make her holy without blemish. Now, let's look at... It's interesting to me. I started looking at, like, spot or wrinkle. It's interesting terms. I get spot, like the stain of sin, right? It says, oh, though your sins were as scarlet. I will wash you and it will be white as wool, right? So he, can, he wants to, to cleanse us from all the stains of sin. Wrinkle. <coughs> Ladies, I mean, that's, a, that's like a really bad word. Like, I remember growing up, even as a little boy, I mean, there was like oil of Olay commercials for days and like whatever. Like, I was just like, I was like, apparently, this is a very serious ordeal. I'm just saying, as a little guy, I was just like, dude, it was a lot of my, I seen that stuff in my grandma's bathroom. I seen that stuff in every woman's bathroom. I was like, wow. Wrinkles are very serious. You know, when you're little, you don't get it. I'm, well, I still really don't get it. I don't really care a whole lot. I'm like, whatever. I'm just, I'm surprised I'm still alive, tell you the truth. I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> I've lost hair. I'm like, praise God, I'll shave it. You know, it's like, whatever. Wrinkles, thank you. You know, it's, 
It's just a good thing to be here. Um, but the, the aging and the wrinkling, I started thinking about that. Like, everything in the natural realm starts to decay, right? I don't care. You can go buy a brand new car, and you just let that thing sit and, and, and walk, walk, come back and look at it five years later without doing anything with it. It's resting. It's, it's, its life expectancy is shortening, right? You come to this peak, and then from that point, it's like all downhill, right? <laughs> things just start wearing down, falling apart, amen? There's like, oh, yeah, things start wrinkling. Things start sagging. I mean, there's just stuff that goes on, and there's all these doctors and surgeons, and people pay lots of money to try to reverse it. But there's only one that can reverse that, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Without spot or wrinkle, behold, we're new creations. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's a reversal. This is so good, I'm telling you. There's a reversal in that process. From the moment we get saved, there's a regeneration that is happening. We may have been all decrepit and wrinkled. And I was, I was probably like, what was that old TV show? Was like, I didn't watch it very much, but I remember the, the gatekeeper, the crypt keeper, or <laughs> whatever, Tales from the Crypt. I remember seeing that. Like the, the, that's about where I was at in sin, I think. I mean, it was pretty ugly. It was pretty decrepit. Like, <laughs> whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit comes in. Whew. And, and, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm able to move around now. I mean, it's probably still not, not too good to look at. But there has been some transformation, right? There's been some reversal of that. Thank you, Lord. To cleanse her from spot or wrinkle to make her holy and without blemish to make her holy no matter what went on before holy without a blemish and that's just not the outside that that reversal there's a soul we're, we're three parts body soul and spirit your soul realm needs to be regenerated it may have looked like worse than the, the crypt keeper or whatever that dude was some people's souls are like woo. He wants to reverse those things to where we'd have a, a pure mind, will, and emotions. Our emotions could be healed and restored. That our thoughts could be healed and fully restored. That's for real. That, that's, he doesn't tell us those things just so it's just like, ah, uh, you know, that's for some of you, but some of you are so jacked up, like, my blood, I wish I could do something about it. I mean, it wasn't like in uh, the, the Chosen where um, Andrew couldn't dance and Jesus said, like, even some things I can't do, you know? Like, none of us are really like that. Aren't you grateful? Amen. And I want to share something I think has just really caught my attention in this study. Is Jesus doesn't hate his own flesh. But he nourishes it and cares for it. I think it's so cool. When, and you got to look at that passage. Paul is really speaking of concerning the mystery of Christ and the church. Now, it's for our benefit as husbands and wives. But he's wanting us to see this picture of Christ in the church, how he loves his own flesh. We are his own body, how he nourishes his body and takes care of his body. He doesn't macho man Randy Savage off the top rope elbow, <laughs> right? Or super, I mean, I could go back to Superfly Jimmy Snuka. That dude off the top rope was like, come on. Like, he's not like, wham, trying to bring the smack down to the bride. I love you. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> no, that's the enemy. 
And anyone who thinks otherwise, like, you need to go back and spend some time with Jesus. Because I don't know who you've been spending time with. Because just from the simple fact of, like, man, when you get into his presence, there's no, what? Condemnation. I didn't come to condemn the world, to save the world. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. That was a lot better than you're responding. <laughs> he doesn't hate his own flesh, but nourishes it and cares for it. Here's another one. I'm just in my reading. The Lord dropped me a nugget, so I had to get it in here. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I'm not just cherry-picking things out to build a message. I hope you understand. This is consistent in content of all of Scripture. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is, is where Saul gets saved. Saul saved. Meanwhile... Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. That's us. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's the church he found there. He wanted to bring them, the church, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And he was approaching Damascus on this mission. And a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Do you see how we are in his body? We are his own flesh and blood. He didn't say, I'm Jesus, and I'm the, you know, the, the savior of the world, and that's my church down there. He's saying, they are me. I, Saul, I'm the one you're persecuting. Amen. That really nails Ephesians 5, what, what he's telling us, that we are in him, that we are his very own flesh and blood, that how he takes care of it and nourishes his own body, his own flesh. No one beats up his own flesh. No one destroys his own flesh. Paul, the, Jesus was telling Paul at that moment, you are persecuting me. You are killing me. How precious are we to the Lord? We're his bride. He's his betrothed to us. We're his very own body. And Paul concludes that Ephesians part with, but I speak concerning what? Christ and the church. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now I'm going to be closing here. Steph or Becca or David, if you want to put some music on or somebody want to hum. I mean, we can. <laughs> All right, maybe not. That sounded like Buddhist or something. I don't know. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help us. <laughs> yeah, that was Jose. <laughs> Drew on Front Street. Uh, I speak concerning Christ in the church. 
Now, when Revelation chapter 2 begins, he starts speaking to seven churches. And the very, very first church that, that uh, Jesus speaks to is the church of Ephesus. As the loveless church. His bride. And he had these words for her. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2 that they have left their first love. He says, remember from where you have fallen and repent. You see, this, this message is for the bride. The bride has nothing to fear. The bride has nothing to worry about. We are not in free, fear of judgment. But he does come to the church of Ephesus. And, and um, there's, we'll get into this at some point. But each one of the churches do, is very, it's for the church of that day at that place. There's seven churches, literal churches. But they're also representing some people. It's church ages. Um, I, I really, for the, for the very simple, is each one of us can pull out all of those. Because it's seven churches, which represents completion. So it's messages to the complete church, the perfect church. So this church, which shows that we can do the same, he, has, he gives us word. There's a lot of things they did well, but he said, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. So I've heard people, a lot of people say they lost. No, they didn't lose it. They left it. Which shows, you know, there's a whole denominations built, and there's so many different places I can show you where we can leave our first love. I say, well, if you're, if you're, once you're saved, you're always saved. There's nothing, there's, well, he's speaking to a church, the church of Ephesus that says, I see all these good things, but, but I want you to be, be aware of something. You've left your first love. What does he tell them to do? Go back, repent Repent and go back and do your first works again. Remember those things you did, in, and oftentimes in marriage counseling, one of the first things, what did you guys used to do? And then we come 90% of the time when there's an issue, they're not doing those first things anymore. So you go back and you start doing those first things again. Church. I would say this is a great season for us. Even as those you say, Brother Steve, I feel really good. That's awesome. Keep doing those first things. Remember how you'd get up early in the morning? I, I was sharing, I think it was with Rebecca and, and uh, Pastor Linda this last week. I remember when I was dating Jenny, I was working um, underground construction and working 610s. And it was in the heat. It was like last week. We had like 17, 18, 19 days in a row of like over 105. It was, I mean, it was just stupid. Hot, 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 hot. And working very, very physical work, very demanding. And I'd get up at four in the morning, and I would come home and be like, all right, tonight I'm going to see her, but I'm going home. Like, and then nine o'clock would come, and then 10 o'clock would come, and then 11 o'clock would come. And I'd be like, I really got to go. Like, I get, and then 12 o'clock would come, and then one o'clock would come. And I'd be like, oh, my Lord, I got to go. And I'd get up at four. And then the next day, it's like, I am going home tonight for sure. Like, I don't even know if I, I'm not, there's, I can't, I can't trust myself not to want to be with her. So I'm just not going to go see her. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Coffee was my best friend. And I'd be so tired. I'd be like, oh, I got to go shower. I'm not, nope. 
our first works, those first things. How many of you used to get up early and go spend some time with the Lord when you were first saved? Yeah. You're still doing your first works. It's not things like, oh, I've got to fall. It's because you love him. Yeah. And I can tell you what, like, sometimes you might feel, well, I don't, I heard, well, I don't know if I'm not in love with them anymore. Well, go start doing those things. You'll fall back in love with them. That's good. Spend some time with them. When you do, there'll be no way you'll believe that he's coming to, to lay the smack down on you. I want to read the rest of 2 Corinthians 11. I read one part of it earlier. Paul said, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted. He fears that you may well put up with it. Now, you search yourselves, you search your hearts. There's some different things in there. A simplicity that's in Christ, he's fearing that, that our minds would get corrupted. What are, what's going in our minds, church? What are the things in these days that we're allowing to go into our minds that would allow our minds to be corrupted? Someone who preaches another gospel. There's been a lot of other gospels. We covered some of that a while back. These different gospels. If it's not a gospel that you, you've seen Jesus speaking, it's a different gospel and you, we should stay away from it. Not everything that says, oh, this is good. This is good news. That's gospel. Good news is. Amen? If you receive a different spirit, which you have not received from Christ, there's all kinds of things that have spiritual attachments. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. You can tell, like, the 90% of the time I've been preaching has been the love of Christ and being the bride. But there's a reality that we can lose our first loves. There's spirits in the air. There's things that have attachments, and we can open ourselves up to, and we can change our spirit. How many notice, like, I've felt that before. You're like, what is that? Like, man, I've just got this anger been riding on me for, like, three or four days. Well, there was probably something I was listening to or have watched or of allowed in, and I've got to go, wait a minute, that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that you've been possessed and dwelt in your soul, I mean in your, your spirit, because your spirit is possessed by the Holy Spirit. But you have a soul realm, a mind, a will, and emotions, and that can get jacked with. And you have a physical body. I totally believe that um, sickness and disease, that's demonic. It's not from the Holy Spirit. So that leaves. So those things got to get addressed. Amen? So I just want to spend some time. We have, we do have time. <laughs> spend a little time. You don't have to come up in the altar if you don't want to, but just let the, just, just play and let the, let the, um, this message and this word wash over you. Is there any, any area in your life that you go, Lord, I thank you for your blood, Jesus. I thank you 
that you have cleansed me and washed me. And I also thank you that I can continually stay in that place of being washed by the water of the word of God and cleansed so that when we come before him, we bring these works of good works that we're bringing to the Lord. And we are not being deceived. We're not being drawn away and enticed by other things of the world. Amen. Maybe you need to tell him, Lord, I've prayed this and I'm not ashamed to say it. God, put, rekindle that love, that desire to go back to those first things. Lord, make all the other things that would tempt me taste sour and bitter in my mouth. I'm, I'm, not, afraid, I'm not ashamed. I'll tell you, I've talked to the Lord and said, Lord, I need to love you rightly. My love sometimes is twisted. Heal me, fix me. So I love you correctly, that I can receive your love, Lord. Lord, we do love you. And we thank you, Jesus, that <laughs> you're coming for us. You're, we're your bride. So grateful, Lord, that, that you have told us, don't let your hearts be troubled. To trust in God, trust also in you. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I thank you, Lord, that you're coming for us, Lord, that we are going to spend a time alone with you. Lord, and there was going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb, a beautiful celebration. God, for those, Lord, who are struggling, Lord, who have been wrestling, who've uh, maybe not even know if, they're, if they are ready to go. That's a very easy thing that can happen is to repent, which means change your mind, change your thinking. Lord, help us change our minds, change our thinking so that we would think rightly and correctly according to your word, not what we've heard and not what we've said, but what you say. Align our heart with yours, Jesus. Heal us, Lord, from the perversions. Heal us from the areas, Lord, where we've went astray. Renew in us a right spirit, O oh God. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Lord, may we ever dwell in your presence. Amen. 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 You are dismissed. <laughs>